Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Stay on the show. Well, could have seen that one coming. So the Lakers go into Memphis with a one game to nothing lead. Memphis playing without John Morant, playing without Brandon Clark, playing without Steven Adams. And Memphis wins 103-93. And uh, yeah, I was concerned about the Lakers' energy level he- heading into this one. I had a feeling that the Lakers, you know, just based on not just this season, but for, you know, a little while now, the Lakers just don't really tend to respect competition very much. They don't they don't really respect the sport consistently enough, to be honest. Uh and and you know the NBA and TNT guys were, were talking about this and they went pretty hard at the Lakers for the lack of respect that they played with in this one. Um and yeah the Lakers, you know, they they, they made a run at it and they did make a game out of it to make it seem more competitive than than uh, it actually was, but they were down by 20, again, to a team. And again, the Lakers were fully healthy, but the Lakers were down by 20 to a team missing three of its five, maybe six best players, right? Uh, that just can't happen. It, it, it cannot happen. And and uh, the fact that we knew that it was going to be, that it was probably going to play out this way, that's kind of the problem. It wasn't a self-fulfilling prophecy thing. This was not confirmation bias. You kind of knew heading into this one, especially once it was announced that John Morant was out, that the Lakers were probably going to play with their food. They played with their food and and, uh, got food poisoning. I'm going to start in this one with Anthony Davis, who, uh, you know, I, I, I talked on last night's lowdown about, I'm really curious to see, how Anthony Davis responds, uh, given the way that the poll played out with the athletic, right? Where his peers voted on, on, you know, various subjects across the league. And he got very little respect. Uh, also given that Jaron Jackson Jr. Accepted his award right in front of him, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Won the defensive player of the year award this year. And the thing that was held against Anthony Davis was that, uh, he didn't, play enough when AD played like a hundred or so more minutes than Jaron Jackson Jr. did during the the regular season. Um, I would have hoped that that would have maybe lit a fire under AD's ass and um, maybe it did. I don't know, but he, he certainly sat right on top of that fire and smothered it. And yeah, it was just a bad performance. It would, you know, he was good defensively. I think you, you never really have to, to be too concerned with AD defensively. Um, and, and I do think, like Harrison and I have talked about this a lot over the course of our time covering AD, he takes the way that other guys defend around him very personally. And in this one, you know, there were a lot of mental mistakes that left a lot of guys open and offensive rebounds that, that took place that had a lot to do with attentiveness and, and, and give a fuck. And, uh, that kind of thing, when you watch AD out there on the court, that kind of stuff really bothers him. There was a play actually late in the game. Game was pretty much out of, out of reach. And, uh, the Grizzlies got a shot up. The Lakers could have had a stop. D'Angelo Russell just doesn't go for the, uh, the, the, the rebound at all. 
the Grizzlies wind up getting the ball back. Actually, you, yeah, that's the, so the way it played out. Actually, now that I remember it, the Lakers on the offensive possession before this was the uh, Austin Reeves drive to the basket. He got fouled by Jaron Jackson Jr. Should have been two free throws, but they decided that he was not shooting when he got fouled. Um, the you know the Lakers wind up missing their shot. Grizzlies go down and. Um, they missed their first three-point attempt, and it was a real high-arcing rebound that D'Angelo Russell just... Not only did he not go for the ball, but he didn't like make contact with anybody either. The Grizzlies wind up getting the the offensive rebound, and I think they wind up hitting a three. And after the three, the Lakers called timeout because the game was basically over at that point. And as they're walking back to the bench, AD, you could you know, pretty clearly see he was uh, exchanging words with D'Angelo Russell. And um, I'm not making excuses. I'm just offering context. But when we talk about like Anthony Davis's energy level and stuff like that, and his just kind of psyche out there on the court, a lot of times he does kind of get annoyed with how hard he has to play defensively in that intensity, not getting matched by the guys who oftentimes are just letting guys drive to the basket towards him, right? So that's, I guess, something to take into account here. But still, AD finishes the night, 13 points, 4 of 14 from the field. Um, one of those field goal makes that he had was a three-pointer when the game was already out of reach. So in essence, he was like 3 of of 13 while the game still kind of mattered four or four from the free throw line, only two offensive rebounds, six defensive rebounds. Uh, so he goes, you know, double single here in 38 minutes. And yeah, I mean, it was a bad game from him and not just bad. Like it's one thing to just kind of have things go, not in your general direction, but for a big to go four of fourteen, and you know he had a dunk that was blocked by a dude named Conchar. <laughs> uh, you know he had a lot of attempts that were just getting blocked around the rim. He had a lot of you know ISO opportunities that turned out you know that wound up being kind of fadeaways from seven to ten feet away or ten to twelve feet away instead of the three to five feet away that they were in game one, just generally, I, I said it in the, in the lounge after the, after the game. And I, and I'm going to repeat it. He got punked, man. Like just flat out. He got moved off of his spot. Uh, you know, I know fans are going to say like, Oh gosh, like he was, you know, you just couldn't get a call. You're not going to get a call when you're falling before the contact that you're asking for takes place. He was getting, he, he would catch the ball on, you know, the, the, the Grizzlies kind of switched up their coverage here and they started switching a lot more stuff. Um, and and one, it says something that a team is willing to switch stuff because AD's rep is that, hey, sometimes he'll have these no-show games and they were right. And two, like on those switches, the Lakers were kind of, were forced into throwing over top passes, over, over, you know, over the top passes on full fronts that, uh, you know, normally... When AD really has it going, he's just catching and in one motion finishing. But for some reason, he kept catching, bringing the ball down, assuming the fetal position, and then just firing up some like lazy flick towards the basket 
that you know is missing more often than not statistically and you're not going to get a foul on that one because you're allowing the defense to dictate the tone of that possession so yeah I just thought like you know when we talk about leaders setting tones and I'll talk about LeBron here in a bit but when we talk about leaders setting tones and superstars doing superstar things this was a game that the Lakers you know if they win this one they put the series in a stranglehold and and they have a real opportunity in front of them to make this a, a real short series. And I guess you could technically say that that opportunity is still in front of them. They can still, I guess, win the next three, win this thing in five, and wait for whoever comes out of the Sacramento and, and Golden State series. But I don't know. I, I, I just really didn't like Anthony Davis's offensive approach to this one. And and it's, it's indicative, like I, I talked about, the the poll and the way that his peers kind of view him and and how it surprised me that when it comes to most players talent time you know tends to win out and that they'll give the benefit of the doubt to the to the supremely talented player ad supremely talented but i also think the one thing that nba players especially like really 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 good nba players like kobe really comes to mind here um the thing that nba players also take note of is supremely talented players who just like disappear. It's why a lot of people don't like Cat. It's why Ben Simmons is looked at the way that he is. And the res- the results of that poll kind of were indicative of, yeah, AD super talented, all that stuff. Also, he just like disappears, whether it's because of injury or whatever, but he also just has a tendency of and we saw this in the bubble too. He had like a game per series or so that like just kind of like didn't really show up that game and maybe the next game happens and he reminds every everybody again like yeah I'm I'm that guy or whatever but but in this one given the opportunity in front of them uh it was a real bummer to see AD especially on a night where the guy gets an award that I know AD really cares about uh AD just didn't show up I'm not going to go so far as to say that uh LeBron didn't show up because once the the Lakers really got things going, it was because LeBron, you know, really kind of ignited those runs. But the problem was that, like, once again, it, it, I, I think LeBron, I think LeBron, and I get it, like, at this stage of his career, but I, I really think LeBron is, is kind of looking at the rest of the Lakers and saying, like, hey, can somebody else, like, get things going? Let me kind of get into the flow of the game. And then when the time comes in the fourth quarter, let me kind of do my thing, right? And the problem that the Lakers have had over these last few seasons is whoever is trying to set that tone doesn't do it well enough. LeBron winds up having to, you know, start taking over too early in the game. And then when you get to the fourth quarter and the and the situation calls for LeBron to take over, he's not able to to turn the corner and he winds up taking jumpers instead of trying to get to the basket. And I think we kind of saw that in this one where Game starts, and he lets D'Angelo Russell kind of feel things out. He lets Austin Reeves try to build on on uh, the, the game prior. And I get it, you know, especially given the way that both of those guys played last game. But the problem was that, in D'Angelo Russell's case especially, uh, they weren't there. Like, they, 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 they weren't ready for that opportunity. Uh, the Lakers start really slow. And in fairness, like, both teams really started slow. The game was kind of stuck in the mud. But... You know, it, it wasn't until LeBron 
really put his foot down that the Lakers started getting out in transition and that they, they started really making a run at this thing. And, you know, at some point what it's going to take is, is I, I you know, and I'm really curious how, how this goes in, in LA. I kind of wonder if, if right from the get go, especially given Dylan Brooks's comments and you know what, let's go ahead and go to those comments. There are some people, Lakers are making that run. They get it to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what what were you thinking? I don't care. He's old. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he should have been saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. I kind of wonder as a result of that, please, Lakers, like, please don't let that guy feel good on a basketball court. Like, just don't. He's Reuben Patterson. Like, he's just, he's, he's Rajah Bell. Like, he's this, like, you know, thinks because he tries hard on defense and because the crowd gets happy and he does anytime he does anything successfully that like he belongs in some crazy conversation in the NBA's, you know, sphere. But like, please don't let that guy feel good on a basketball court ever again. God. But anyway, I do kind of wonder, like as a result of those conversations of, of that conversation, those comments, the way the game played out. If if LeBron just kind of says, all right, we're not fucking around this one. Uh, the Lakers have to win their next two. If they don't win their next two, I think they lose this series. Um, so I think that, I think, uh, you know, I wonder if LeBron kind of comes out, sets the tone, then goes on cruise control. And then if he has to, takes over late in, in, the, in the fourth quarter. But uh, the, the, the notion of kind of starting slow, and letting Russell get things going, and letting Reeves get things going, I, I think that approach kind of has to go the way of the Dodo. The other part of this, uh, look, the way that the series was always going to play out was always going to be kind of predicated on on Jaron Jackson Jr.'s availability. And um, look, I, I don't want to sound like a Homer guy whining about refereeing or whatever, um, but, you know, Jackson's getting a lot, got a lot, got away with a lot in Memphis, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, contact before uh, the, the shot attempt or contact that he was given fouls for on the other end. He's gotten a very favorable whistle. Um, and, and look, he's defensive player of the year now. He is, you know, putting himself in that like superstarter ca- category right now. And, you know, what you start to see is reputation calls. I do kind of wonder though when when like the game gets back to LA if the 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 whistle changes a little bit and if the Lakers find any way whatsoever to make him feel more uncomfortable defensively because right now like again and I I said this after game 1 I'm saying it again here on the perimeter Memphis is defending their asses off they are not letting anybody get any kind of dribble penetration to the basket that forces jaron jackson jr to uh you know challenge shots 
that are not on his terms. And, uh, you know, until that changes, and I don't even really know what the Lakers can do here, they're one kind of spearhead penetrator. Uh, Dennis Schroeder has been bad, really, uh, in this series. So uh, I, I do kind of wonder if, if you know, the Lakers try to put... We did see it in the fourth quarter where the Lakers put Jaron Jackson Jr. in a lot of pick and rolls in game one. And I, I, I kind of wonder if they're going to go back to that. They tried it in game two, but in this one, uh, Jaron Jackson was, was, you know, really kind of pressing up and forcing the Lakers to make those passes into the interior. And unfortunately, because of the game that AD was having, uh, the Lakers weren't, weren't punishing Memphis for that approach. It was really kind of surprising. Again, like they were switching stuff. They were allowing AD to 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 have his moments if you if if he was ready for them. But you know, throughout the game, he wasn't. So um, I, I think like if they take that approach again, I think uh, the Lakers have to continue to feed AD, and he just has to be better. Um, and and I do kind of wonder if there's anything that can be done, like Jaron Jackson Jr. isn't really guarding AD in isolation very much. Memphis is doing a really good job of keeping uh, Triple J away from situations where he would pick up those fouls. Uh, Jackson is also doing a really good job not picking up dumb fouls, setting screens, not picking up uh, dumb fouls on the offensive re- uh, on the offensive glass. Like he's, he's, staying available on the court and it has made this series I think a lot more close than it than it could have been otherwise uh, so now it's just kind of a matter of if the Lakers can tweak a couple things here and there maybe get a little bit better whistle uh, back in their in their home arena um, and force Jaron Jackson Jr. to to be in in more situations that maybe he isn't comfortable in or are on the Lakers terms more than they have been to this point in the series. Zooming back out to a macro level, though, look, the Lakers got the split that they needed uh, in Memphis. They still have an opportunity here if they can win two in a row uh, back home to go up 3-1 in the series and, at worst, go into Memphis with the opportunity to close out the, the team there on the road or, you know, take care of business back home in Game 6. But uh, I, I don't... I don't think the Lakers are going to win two more road games in Memphis, so they have to win both of these in in in, in uh, back in LA. I I am really curious to see uh, how Memphis handles the news cycle here with Jaron Jackson Jr. It's another three days uh, before the next game, so we'll see if 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 Jaws is ready to go in in LA. I I don't know. I I was reluctant to go this far. Um, and, and, you know, as a result of, of how things played out in game one, but now having seen it for the entirety of a game, I do really kind of wonder if Memphis doesn't match up better against the Lakers, uh, with, without jaw, not to take anything away from jaw. I still think he's a spectacular player and all of that stuff, but all of the things that he does are predicated on getting into the paint and, and, and dominating the paint area. But you're not going to do that against an AD who doesn't have to go out and worry about you as a shooter. So uh, that, you know, when you, when you watch how uh, Desmond, play, Desmond Bain played as a primary creator, 
I was a lot more nervous when he was on the ball in this one than I was when Jaw was on the ball in game one. I maybe I'm I'm probably on in the minority on on that one, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how all this plays out. Uh, the Lakers have a couple days to kind of stew in this. I hope they really do. I I I really hope somebody gets in AD's face and say, "Hey, man, that was you. That was that was that was not." the game that you can play in that spot against such a thin front court. And um, I've seen it a a little bit in the past where uh, LeBron has kind of nudged AD a little bit. I would imagine in film sessions, well, that will probably happen again. And I'm really curious to see how AD responds. Uh, and, And, and I really think that's going to define this, this series and maybe define the rest of this Lakers season. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown Podcast. Uh, make sure you check out the conversation that Raj and I had right after the game. That is already up here on the feed. And then here in a little bit, I'll be talking to Aaron about uh, last night's game and about the series here moving forward. So until then, and until the next time I talk to you, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.